Sassan Sanders, welcome to this another episode on our show. Today we have a special guest. He is Forbes 30 under 30. He is a climate leader and a TEDx speaker. And today we have a topic of how to craft an irresistible SaaS offer. And we have a privilege to have our guest with us to share his insights. Without further ado, Lalit, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, Vlad. Um, it's it's an, a privilege and honor to be here uh, and to discuss about the SaaS, which is a very interesting topic for founders like me. Lalit, maybe in a couple of sentences, could you share with the audience a little bit more about your background? Sure. So I came from a very small city back in India, uh, you know, where I grew up between the farms. And I moved like, you know, Europe uh, after my MBA. I lived in Europe for almost 10 years. I built my first company in Paris. It was, an, it was in a marketplace which got sold. It wasn't a big, you know, uh, exit, but decent, decent exit as well. Then I came to U.S. and California, Fremont. Uh, I built my second company called Sandscross, where I'm currently CEO. It's also like, an, you know, a SaaS business. We have some interesting element in the company, like, you know, IoT and other satellite images, but overall the business model is SaaS. So apart from like my own startups and the exit, I've been doing a lot of mentoring and, and consulting to different universities and, and the different accelerator as well. And I think as an outsider and as an immigrant in Europe, I've also built like you know, one accelerator called Connect Border, which is still running. Just this helps just international founders to connect with the European market and who those who want to relocate. So there's a lot of things which I do as a pro bono, as as my passion. And of course, my full-time job is to become the CEO, like is to CEO of Tensegrass. Got it. Awesome. Awesome. We can talk about, we'll definitely talk about Sandgrass uh, in a moment from now. But I think the topic that a lot of founders are curious about is what is really an irresistible SaaS offer and why founders need to pay attention to this? Like, cannot they just sell their software like features, benefits? Can you shed some light on this? Yeah, sure. And I think um, well, I, this is a very important, uh, you know, question as well. And and, and I think it, this question makes the entire, uh, you know, difference between a successful startup and a not so successful startup. Like every company is building SaaS. Everybody is making nice software, solving problems and all. But why only few companies has become successful? They have 1 million ARR, 10 million ARR, 100 million ARR. Why not the other companies as well? And the answer lies in your questions. Like, you know, what makes this offer Special. And I think like, you know, before, uh, I'm like, without going deeper and detailed, like what makes this offer special, which we're going to do this in the in the next questions, let's make it very simple. And I think the simple answer for this question is like, you have to create like an offer that the human required, like your market required. So you have to study your market very well. Problems usually change. Solution usually change, your team usually change, but your market usually does not change, right? The market never lies. That's what I usually always say to my, you know, to my team and other people as well. So if you have studied your market very well, if you studied your customer very well, you can make a very, very, you know, effective offer for your SaaS. So there are three important things, right? How effective is your uh, your messaging or storytelling to your audience? How mm -hmm. simple is your messaging? For example, hey, this is the twenty dollar per month versus like this is free of cost per month is what is the the important value proposition you're putting into your different SaaS offer. Like if mm -hmm. you're providing like in a three offers to your audience, one is free, one is $20 per month, and one is like, let's say $100 per month. What are the difference between these plans? So you have to be communicate your offers very clearly with a very clear value proposition. And, and your messaging should be very clear. It's like, you know, you can onboard your customer in just a couple of minutes of providing your offer. 
So, mm-hmm. so these are like you know a very short brief answer for this thing. But like if we if we when we going deeper into these questions in the in the in the coming next few minutes, I'm going to discuss more further about that uh, topic as well. Mm-hmm. And Lalit, when you say value proposition, maybe you could elaborate a little bit on that because we oftentimes see landing pages with people just talking about their software, like oh our software does this and it also does this, and that's about it. How exactly value proposition is different from what I've just described, and what what happens if if we don't have a clear value prop? Exactly. No, that's that's a great question, Vlad. Uh, and I think that you know the difference between a value proposition versus the feature of your product is two different things. There is a thin line between a, a value proposition and the features. Let's let me take an example. Like maybe your one product can have. Ten different features, right? For example, maybe your, you know, uh, your features, your product could have couple of value proposition, which is reason, like you know, resonate resonate to your customer. So I think, I think, like you know, long story short is what exactly is your customer wants to know. So if let's take me exa- example of of any company, any good SaaS company, like that is let's take an example of Salesforce, right? I'm now the Salesforce have the multiple features for 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 the different people, right? Or a HubSpot have a multiple features for their product, right? When they pitch, when enterprises or when their agents usually pitch these solutions to the customer, they don't pitch like entire list of of the features. They only talk about the two and three things that how effectively, how easily you can manage the entire CRM of your company, and you can drop this like you know a single email to all these thousand contact lists while in in a second. This is the difference between a value proposition. So the value proposition for Salesforce and the HubSpot like companies is like how you can integrate your Gmail or your company email ID. You can put all these contacts and reach out to them in just like simple one second versus marketing campaign, emailer, you know, connecting the team and all these are like your features. So that there is a very thin line between the features versus the value proposition. Interesting. I think what you say is is also closely tied to describing the problem that users are getting solved with this software, right? Not so much what are the blows and whistles, but how exactly like my life will get better from, from the software in just a couple sentences, right? Exactly, exactly. So again, you know, the very simple thing, like if I ask you like, you know, hey Vlad, what you're looking in the phone, right? I'm sure you 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 will say, hey, I'm looking for like 10, 20 different things or 20 different things. But maybe your current requirement for the phone is, is just one or two. Maybe you're looking for a phone just to communicate, right? Just to call and have a very better uh, audio quality for your phone. And maybe your second main uh, requirement for phone would, would be, I need like in a good phone with a good camera where I can click the pictures while I'm traveling, you know. This is your main value provision. This is your like real requirement right now at this stage. Other things like canning and all this is going to be your great feature, which you may, may not require immediately. Interesting. Lalit, what do you think would be the process for crafting an offer? Like, let's say if I'm a founder and I've got yep. this idea, I've got this product in my mind, it has 25 features. It's all like perfect. I'll, it'll do everything. How do I communicate it to the marketplace? How can I make it irresistible? Yeah. And I, and I think, well, uh, again, another important thing, and I think this, this is a point, this is a complicated point. And I think this is the point where most of the company differentiate. Like if your team, if your founding team, and if your 
sales teams are well aware about the some points. Like they will make a very great offer, compelling offer for your customers, and your company will be successful. And and if you're not, like then you will be struggle a bit about like you know scaling and the revenue part as well. So you know, long story short, let's talk about like this thing in in a detail a bit. So there are a few things, right? There are like couple of points which I usually follow. The first thing will be like you know the point is. The biggest important thing, how compelling is your offer? How effective is your offer? And when I say the effective, it means how important is the business or the market requirement, whether the market really required this product or not, like in a product which is just, if if, if it is not there in the market, nobody cares. So I, without like, you know, demeaning anyone, but let's take an example of Clubhouse, right? Great product, great company, raised a lot of funds as well. The compelling thing was missing, right? So this is this is kind of example. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I have no intention to put the company into the spotlight, but I'm just taking a good example so our audience can understand, understand well. Uh, the second point will be like, you know, the risk, risk reversal things as well. It's like a lot of time, like, you know, for example, and I'll take my example this time, like sense grass. The risk reversal or the things means like I'm an entrepreneur, right? I'm a techie. I'm very passionate about like building a tech product. I'm keep building the good track product and all. And I have no idea what my customer is required, whether whether my customer is really required or not. So there's a kind of like, you know, there's a huge risk factor. Like who? You build a very great soil intelligence platform. You put all these ingredients, you put a lot of data layers. It's a nice, very fancy kind of product. But does your customer, which is, let's say, farmer, right, for example, does they are really capable enough to use this a complicated product or not? The, then this is the risk reversal. So means make a very, very simple product for user and give a very simple offer. So after the compelling and a very succinct uh, offer, this is the second point will be the risk reversal. Like try to reduce making a very complicated product. The third one is like, you know, create a urgency. And I think this is a very important factor in making a very nice offer to your audience. And I'm sure like there are tons of examples. Hey, this offer like 30 days free trial period is only applicable for till 30th of September. You can get like in a free 30 days uh, kind of account, Netflix account only for one month. And this offer it just lasts for like next five days, something like that. So you have to create the urgency and scarcity. Like you have to show that you are the only company providing this offer. You may be not the only company who providing this solution, right? There are many 10 companies who providing the CRM, but you will be the only company who providing this great offer in a great price only for five days. So the urgency and scarcity of the of the offer makes you different from your competitors, right? And I think that's also one of your different differentiation as well. The maybe the last point will be like, you know, the bonuses. What additional thing you can get it like you know what is the additional benefit okay i'm i'm picking this uh let's say pro offer or i would say the dropbox pro offer but apart from these things what are the additional benefits i'm getting what is the bonus that i'm getting people are greedy like human human beings are greedy people right they always want like a lot of thing everything in just 20 dollar kind of the packages once you put the offer you have to give like hey these are the three things that we are offering worth like let's say 20 dollar per month or 20 dollar per year whatever but out of this, you will also get these things. You will get another 15 days with this 30 days paid period. So, you know, these kind of points, some key ingredient. I'm not saying like this is always going to work, but these are few things that always make sense when you're making this offer effective and workable. 
SaaS insiders, I want you to all pick up those golden nuggets. I think to kind of to summarize, the really good offer should be concise. It should be to the point exactly what is the one of the problems that we're solving for these people. It should have the scarcity element, meaning time limit or quantity limit that only for the first X customers or only for the X days. And it should have some kind of bonuses. It should feel like they're getting much more for this than, than they were expecting to. Uh, would that be correct? Exactly, exactly. And and I think I'll, I'll give you a very quick example, like which I've recently come across, and I think it works for me. So I just like, you know, spoke to a, a crowdfunding platform. Um, they like, they were behind me for almost like six months, even more. And now like two days back, they drop in the email and say, hey, we have partnership with them. We are offering like 10,000 kind of marketing credit to you. And the offer lasts long for 30 days. So I receive an email somewhere in like around 27th and 28th evening, September, and the offer is ending on 30 September. So take this example. They have a kind of very simple compelling story, very straightforward, concise message. They have a bonus, like I'm giving you 10,000 marketing credit and they have like kind of scarcity or urgency that the offer is closing on 30th of September. So I have just two days to react. Boom. And now I have already signed up with the with the offer because I know this is a great thing because I know they are following me for last six months and I didn't see anything like this in the last six months. So mm. this is kind of an effective, you know, kind of way of communicating and, and compiling like in a good offer. I see. So they were following you for nine months, but then they kind of gave you a no-brainer with a time limit and you, and you committed because like it's it's psychological, right? Exactly. Interesting. Interesting. I think one of the issues I see a lot of, especially beginning founders do, is they focus so much on their baby, their app, their product. They, they forget about the, their customer. What I see is they fell in love with their product, not with their customers. So what I normally recommend them is to be very specific on what is the target audience that we're, that we're solving this problem for. Like, can you describe them? What are their pains? What are their deepest desires? What do they want? How do they communicate their problem? And then only reverse engineer it in your messaging. So don't start with me, me, me. This is, this is my platform. This is kind of things that I provide. Start with them and what they get out of it. Do you, do you have any comments on this? Like, I'm also an entrepreneur, right? Two-time entrepreneur. And as you mentioned, like, we are very passionate about product. Like, we call it our baby, right? And you are always passionate about your baby. You you love what you're doing. But you're not selling to yourself, right? You're selling to the to the world, right? So, love the world, not you. So, you have to understand what exactly the world, the rest of the world wants. What exactly the, the, the market of US wants or market of India wants, right? You are not just building a product for your own use. You're not, you know, building a garden for your own house where you're going to spend your retirement. No, man. You, you're building a, a product which you want to sell it and if you just keep loving your product within yourself and if you have no idea about like what exactly the customers want is a is a crap it's a useless piece of shit right i think this is point one and i think i'm completely agree the point two is and now the maybe the second question is like hey lolly this is fine we all know this thing this is a great stuff but how are we going to know what customer want what market wants so in that case you have to you have to break your product into the silos you have to you do not need to build the entire product in one way in a one shot you build a very small product like couple of features that's why we call it mvp that is the reason why mvp concept is very cool the mvp means is a minimal viable product like this
this is the three features. I think that this is a value proposition. I'm not talking like we talk about the what is difference between value proposition and feature. So let's forget about 10 features. Let's only talk about three value propositions. Let's build the three value proposition, test it, go to the people, right? And see like if they out of 10 people, 100 people, if 70 people are liking it, otherwise like pivot it, like crap it, cut it off, right? Uh, throw it out. So, and then move to the next step as well. So I think I think it's, it's more like silos, right? Cut your innovation short. Like there is a very famous venture capitalist, Gosla, Vinod Gosla, I'm sure you, you know, right? So he always say one thing, like, and I think I like I, when I met him first time, like even before I was I an entrepreneur, he said like, cut your innovation short. Like if you have a great reason, if you want to build like in a test, flying Tesla, that's great. That's a huge reason. Before you going for a flying Tesla, let's build, let's, let's test it. Let's see like whether people really want or not. These, these are completely, and that's my comment. I think this is completely right. I love it. I love when you say like, you are not your customer. You got to figure this, what exactly they want, build an MVP, validate it, and then move forward, right? Because I think that's that's also what investors pay attention. Like if they ask, okay, what do you do? And you start showing them, oh, this is my product. They'll they're probably be like, well, yeah, but what is the problem that we're solving, right? What is the market, total addressable market and all those elements? If you figure out in the beginning, it'll be much more simple, especially if you go, go to the fundraising round. Exactly, exactly. I think... I think I think make the things start small and get some feedbacks, inputs, and then like eventually like you know uh, grow here. Unless awesome. unless I'm like uh, unless you have a very good uh, deep understanding about the product. So let me add this important point as well. Like a lot of founders, and, and I think these are good successful founders. They have worked ten years, twenty years in the same industry. They are like working in e-commerce, retail, mobility, engine oil, or or anything. I'm like so they have a very and I think for for these kind of founders, the concept is slightly changed because they were customer. They were you know in the in the of customer they have lived this problem for 20 years even if they were not customer at least they have lived uh, with the problem for 20 years in the same kind of industry you know in these kind of cases it's not applicable they have a pretty good experience about building those stuff what exactly people want no yeah i love it when when, when we scratch our own edge we kind of have a bit more a bit better insight right we can we can less yeah. guess and more kind of predict at this stage Lalit, how do you know you got a great offer? So let's say, okay, I'm, I'm a founder. I listen to this podcast and I go and I construct my value proposition. I publish it to my landing page. How do I know it's good? No, that's that's good. So I'll answer this question uh, in two ways. The first, keep myself as an example, the founder of C SenseCross, and I'll then I'll answer in a very general way. So I have to be very frank. We haven't reached to that level. I'm mean, like we're still like learning, knowing, and the reason is like we are in a very complicated business of ad tech, right? Our customers are agro corporates. We don't sell to farmers B two C. We sell only to B two B as well. So we are B two B SaaS company, right? So we're still learning, right? We still haven't reached to like kind of a wow kind of stage where we have hey we have cracked the 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 mystery of a successful compelling SaaS offer to our audience right so we we have done really great and i'll take the example of this as well but we haven't reached to that level as well and coming coming back to like as a normal person like you know to give what is going to be the real so i think and and i again let let me take the example of sense so being a complicated company a very high tech product i think the biggest important thing that you want to tell your customer is it's very easy on 
So if you go to our website, which is still haven't updated for, for a while, but even if you go there, people can get, people read it, people get a sense of the problem in two minutes, three minutes. They have a, like, you know, after reading, which is like the ice breaking, they usually get to know about like in a video or a study or a case study, like maybe an example or testimonial, which is the second stage of, of a sales process. And the third one is the act, the action, uh, point of action, which is the third step. The point of action is give, like the only thing they have on, they have to do is they simply leave their email ID. So, hey, you want a demo? You want to like, they will feel that this is cool. You want a demo? And then you just drop your email ID and just submit, get demo. Now we have received the email. Now the everything we have to do, how as a human person, how as a salesperson, how as a CEO become, how I'm going to convert, like the, the a nice landing page has done his work. Customer has done his work. Now it's your time to, to create. And then the second thing things comes, once you receive the email, you have to send like an automated email to them, like in a very nice welcoming email. I remember like when I when I signed up for Shopify in my first startup, like or even the Monday dot uh, com in my in my current startup. You know, the first email, the moment I have clicked and submit uh, the inquiry button on their website, and the moment you know the people have received like an immediate response. That's what we call the automation. The moment you click, you submit, and you receive an email and text, and you get hey how fast they are and how easy they are. And even in in the email, they have like you know put all the necessary information not too much information a very simple necessary information what a person requires so i think these are you know these are the few things makes a person like because as you mentioned sales is a very much a psychological kind of stuff right you know when you do the sales there is a definitely a requirement of of a person but like a lot of decision making usually happen because of the psychological thing like in terms of timing in terms of price in terms of like i'm talking to the same company for six months and now suddenly i have made a decision so it's all about like, you know, kind of psychology. So these these things works a lot. When I'm a founder, let's say I didn't have an offer after this episode, I go and I, I, I tweak my landing page. When I see the metrics, when I see the visits, the conversion, is, is there anything changes? Like when I improve my offer, how would I see it reflect on my stats? No, exactly. And I think I, I, I mentioned one important thing is like, you know, your metrics. I, I mentioned one line that market usually don't lie. The facts and data also usually don't lie. Right. So data never lie, right? Or the facts never lie. And I is a mantra for a successful landing page is whether it's working or not, but they will successful landing page is definitely giving you a lot of data. How many people are coming, how many visitors are coming, how many of them are like, you know, clicking on the on the video uh, to, to to watch the, the product, how many of them are like after watching the video, clicking on the like, get demo and you know, reach out to us. And and even after after a significant, you know, numbers. Right. Uh, after significant of the leads, you are not able, right? You know, to converting these leads into kind of the sales. Then there's a problem in the in the offering, like in the problem in the product offering, or the problem in the like, you know, the message offering to you. So coming back to the main point first, like the first point, like you you ask, what's wrong? How I'm going to change this, right? Okay, let's take an example of Netflix, right? If you if you go to the 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 main landing page of Netflix. It's a very simple, right? They have some uh, pictures. I'm, I'm sign out, log out from Netflix long back because it's, it's distracting me a lot. But I still remember their landing page. The reason I'm still remember because it was so easy. They have simple like some, you know, nice movies and kind of stuff, pictures. And then they have simply like, hey, start your 30, 30 days trial period and just simply put the uh, email ID as well. Uh-huh. So a lot of time founders put a lot of piece of information, a lot of things, which is a action point. No, you can only have one action point, right? You cannot have multiple things. The multiple things is going to be your trigger point, catalyst point. That will lead to the like last 
decision-making step. Got it, got it. One thing SaaS insiders I really want you to pick up is we're talking one call to action. When you have a landing page, there shouldn't be five different call to actions because they'll get confused. Confused minds say no. Lalit, let's imagine like I'm Lalit and I'm working on improving my offer at SaaSgrass. So I, I update it. How do I measure whether I did a great job, whether I improved something? You got it. No, I think I think that that's a very good question, uh, Vlad. And I think I think uh, that is the reason. Like I said, like we have we have worked a lot on our landing page, and I think I, so. There's a couple of things I have to very precisely, very briefly wants to touch the point. The first thing is like we working for an architect, so every industry is different. So you cannot compare the success of of a financial fintech company with a ad tech company versus ad tech company, right? So every company is different. Every audience is different, right? And the, every offering is different. So we are a B2B SaaS company, which is like providing a very complicated product called reducing your fertilizers, improving your yield by providing a IoT-enabled AI solution, a SaaS solution, right? So I think I think in our case, we cannot have a very simple landing page like in a Netflix. People know about Netflix. People know about what they are offering. People also know what they are looking for. In our case, sometimes people do not know what exactly they're looking for. Maybe they're looking for a higher crop yield solution. Maybe they're looking for reducing their input cost solution. Or maybe they are looking for like in a, a sustainable analytic platform to for better decision making. So in our case, the decision making features are multiple, right? But your still your call for action is one. So you have to, you know, put a, a decent kind of story and the problem statement very clearly. And if you have five problem statement which you are solving, you have to put all five. If you have just one, you have to put one. And at the end of the day, give some data, numbers, facts, and figure as well. Hey, we have done five pilots. We reduce our input cost of 40%. We have increased the yield up to 25% and improved income by 2 acts. So these kind of feature which we have usually provide. So there's a kind of like, you know, decision making. It's not just like an immediate kind of step. It's a decision making is a series of impact, series of effect, series of, you know, uh, the incidents. So my customer goes to the first stop thing. Hey, they are soil intelligence platform. What they do, they reduce their like you know fertilizer intake. They improve the overall crop productivity, reducing the carbon management and helping the you know the companies to do the labor management. That's your five problem statement. Now the third step comes. What is the like numbers and benefit they are offering? They reduce input cost by forty percent, increase yield by x six percent all. And the fourth thing is like hey, what is the pricing and the get demo? So you already have given enough information to a user to understand your pro like you know your product because you're not netflix they are not aware about what you do and what they are looking for so you have educated them first and once you have educated them first you have also some solved some of their their query that makes very easy for them to reach out to you right mm -hmm. so in this way two things happen the first thing is you make your customer educated you also create like a huge need that hey i came on the sensecraft website only for the decision making uh, solution but now now they are also reducing fertilizer, which is good. They're improving my crop yield as well, and they're making labor management easy. So now I also get three more reasons, and the prices are also very affordable. So the first thing happened, I have educated, I solved some of their queries. And the second thing is, you also filter your leads. Instead of like 1,000 leads, you need 100 leads, but these 100 leads are productive leads. So you also make sure if somebody is coming to your platform from your landing page, they are also the right customer for you, not like the unnecessary leads. Awesome. Awesome. 
One thing, Sass and Cyrus, I want you also to pick up is, as Lalit explained in your landing page, sometimes we also need to educate potential buyers on, on their problem because sometimes they're fully aware and what is the options. Sometimes they're just not aware. Just like in, in case of SenseGrass, sometimes they're not even sure what works best for them. And if, if you are coming from the rather like a more complicated or more, let's say, not as popular and widespread industry, Educating your customers on landing page should should allow for, for more conversions, but keep it to one call to action regardless. Exactly. Lalit, if you were to give one most important advice for founders when they craft their SaaS offers, right? If you were to get back maybe even a bit a bit earlier to your career and give advice to like an aspiring founder like you to when you build your SaaS offers, what would be the one advice you want to give first, like to really help them avoid the most mistakes possible. Study your market and customer well. Find one key core value proposition or solution you are offering to them, maybe max three, and a very clear pricing. There's three things. Study market, your customer well. Find one key value proposition you want to solve for them with a very simple and effective pricing. These three things. Got it. Like um, laser focus on understanding what's your market, one value proposition, and the third one is? Is your pricing. Make it very pricing. simple pricing, yeah. Okay. Don't don't okay. create like five type of different pricing for five different people. No, just give it one. Try okay. it, test it, and then bring five more, four more. We're currently doing a launch with my co-founder of our a relaunch of our SaaS product. It's the third year, second anniversary. And what we did is we simplified the options we have from seven to just two because the feedback awesome. that we that, that we saw is it's like seven different things how do they work how do they compare what's the benefits exactly. do we even need seven we didn't we didn't yeah. but we we wanted kind of to fit everyone because we're geniuses so like we have all the seven <laughs> packages but no no all all it did yeah. is confuse people like but what should they pick Take. right and and I, I I want to add like a very funny thing that's very, very applicable to me, actually. Like people ask me like, you know, pick one and all. So every time, and this is my thing, actually, every time if you give me more than four or five options, I just got confused. So I always say one thing, the moment you give me an option to pick one, I'm not going to choose anything. So I'm a kind of person like if you just give me two options maximum, I'll pick one. That's all. Got it. Just like when you go to a movie, right? There is small, <laughs> medium and large. That's it. Like you, you don't have... The fourth option, so it's a, exactly. it just makes three boxes or two boxes would be ideal. Yeah, and yeah. and I think I think this is also interesting to add just one one more thing, uh, Vlad. So even if you see like the big successful companies, Skype, Dropbox, you know, Salesforce, all Netflix and all, if you see and if you like, if you if you focus there, like they only have two to three option max, individual, professional, or customized. Like they have, they do not like they have maximum two to three pricing, you know, kind of structure. They don't have like five, six, seven because they know their, uh, you know, the their offering very well. Simple is is scalable, right? So exactly. if we can if we can make it simple, we can scale it. If not, we can we'll, we'll get in our own complexities. Lalit, I think like the part of our of our podcast is also to to get a bit more on a personal connection because we're building a community of SaaS founders and. We we share same values, but we're we're so many much different. And I think the questions are more on the personal side, if I may. What do you think would be one activity that gets you disconnected from from your business? Like what's what's one activity that lets your brain kind of have a rest and not constantly thinking yeah. about work? You ask me one, so I'll I'll definitely tell you one, but I'll also add a couple of more as well. So the one thing is like I drink bourbon. 
and I sit mm-hmm. quiet in my room and do nothing, right? So, you know, you have to give a break to yourself, right? You have to give yourself like in a me time, right? Which mm. which we usually don't do in, a, in our business schedule. So have a glass of tea, coffee or bourbon or whiskey, whatever your, your drink is. Spend like, you know, 15, 20 or 30 minutes within yourself and do nothing. So I think that's what I usually do. But the other things I usually do, and I, I told you like, I definitely add two more things. I love cooking. I enjoy cooking. Like, you know, that's kind of a stress buster for me as well because you forget everything because you have to focus on your food. Otherwise, it will be get burned. So the, the second thing is like, I'm writing my own book, right? So, and I think all founders have to write something as well. So not naturally, to be a book the reason i'm writing my book because i have some experience and i think that writing a book or writing a note or memo or something like that it always like you know you have millions of thoughts in your mind every day so if you start give a practice your to yourself to start writing these things again as i said like not necessarily to be everyone not necessarily to be a to be a writer uh, of a book but like if you start even maintaining a diary or writing something mm. uh, i'm just talking about my so I've, i start writing my book as well and this is about my journey good thing bad thing learnings and all so like after 5 years or after 2 years or even maybe in in my third startup after 2 years if I read my previous notes or my previous book, you know, I'll, I'll have a lot of things or learning which I'm going to change it or improve it in my stuff. So I think writing your thoughts and views every day is a very good practice. Maybe it's just two lines or three lines every day. Got it. Got it. So like more like journaling, like sharing your thoughts on the paper, yeah. more like how do you feel? What are the lessons? What would be the one piece of advice you wish you 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 had known when you were three or five years younger than you are now, like if you were to go back in time a few years and give yourself one advice, like maybe entrepreneurship, maybe personal life wise, what that advice would be? Again, you ask one, uh, I'll give you one. So choose your team wisely. This is more professional advice. So choose your team wisely. And when I say mm-hmm. the team, it means your co-founders uh, or maybe your first early employees, because these are very, very important people is going to be in your journey of your startup. I'll give you one uh, personal advice as well. Please have a good work-life balance. And I think this is something you have heard, heard millions of times, but this is very important. Like you have to keep a good distance between your personal and work life as well. Because if your work life is good, your personal life will be good. If your personal life is good, your work life will be good as well. Mm. And, and when you say... When you say choose your team wisely, right? Is there any specific advice? Maybe don't work with X or look for Y in your team. Anything specific that you think would save a lot of time and and, wow. and stress? Uh, when when I when I say um, choose your team wisely, I think it's 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 something that you know a lot of time people say that, and even I use this line that like-minded founders, you know, like-minded team. When I say like-minded, doesn't need you doesn't need to be like the both founders thinking the same way. In, for example, in my current company, like I'm a very different person than what my VP product is, my tech guys. We are two different persons. We are definitely not like-minded. So your like-minded part comes, maybe they have the same mission. So when I say, I'm not saying like to whom you don't need to work, but like I definitely want to say like with whom you can work. So they should be like equally passionate and motivated about the problem you are solving or your product you are building. They definitely have some like at least one hero skill. Not every world person is like the master of all trades, right? But you definitely have at least one or two best things in that person. Anything, anything. Maybe the person cracking good jokes or cook good food. 
anything, but the person should have at least one or two good things, or at least minimum one good thing that the person is very good in that in that stuff, right? Because because you can use it that way. You know, you don't need to. The other things you can learn it. Maybe you are mediocre in the other skills and other expertise, but you are a hero in that one thing. And you can use that person for that one skill. So I think these are a few things. But again, there is no such framework actually of the right team. Uh, uh, very frankly, yeah. Got it. Got it. Sas insiders, if you if if you pick this up, we should be looking for like like minded, but not in a way of thinking the same, but being more passionate and focused on the same goals and making sure that we can have a team of heroes in specific skills in the beginning. So we have skills that complement each other. So if you're coming from a technical background, maybe a hero in marketing will be a good fit for you to, to combine, right? So it, exactly. it doesn't make sense to make a full team of techies or just a full team of marketers because otherwise no one's <laughs> crafting anything, right? As a founder of, of uh, Sensegrass, Lalit, uh, what do you think would yeah. be one of the... Um, one of the greatest challenges you're currently looking the solution for. And the reason I'm asking is, as we're building this community, we have people from all industries, from e-commerce, from sales, from marketing, from technology, and we're all here to, to help each other. So the reason I want is for someone maybe to hear what you need at this stage, so maybe they could reach out to you and actually offer you help, offer you support and assistance at this stage. So maybe there's something specific, some challenge you're currently trying to crack in Sensegrass. A couple of points. The first thing we're looking for, we are hiring actually. So we're looking for the full stack engineers, remote positions, anyone from anyone can join from anywhere in the world, just a couple of years of experience. So full stack engineers we're looking for some other position as well, like, you know, business development and all. We're looking for co-founder in the company as well. So that's that's the another thing as well. So you can you can go out to like sensecross.com or AngelList, find the Sensecross page or even the LinkedIn. You will find the information about these posting as well. The second thing is being an ad tech company. We, we're looking for more farms. So we're looking for more data as well. So we want to do more and more pilots with the farms. When I say farms, not a geographical limitation. Your farm could be from, from Asia to Europe, US to Latin America. We're just looking for any type of crop, any type of farms as well. So these are two things as well. And of course, we we also looking for into the people, into the like, you know, sustainability and clean tech space or ad tech space as well. Just to, you know, to just to share the thought process and maybe like, you know, uh, find some synergies to work together. So these, these are a few things that we are looking for here. Mm -hmm. So first is agritech experts. If you have data and you have anything to contribute, Lalit will be the person to reach out to. As for the co-founder, are you looking for a superhero from the marketing background, from the technical background? Like, what do you think you're looking for? I would pick business development, someone uh, who has mm -hmm. done business development. I think I would say this is the hero skill I'm looking for. The rest of the thing can be can be figured out here. Awesome. Awesome. You're, you're not the first year into entrepreneurship, right? And you probably read some books on it or maybe watched some mentors. Maybe you have a mentor. Yeah. If you were to highlight like up to three sources of knowledge, of wisdom that really helped you move forward and, and be at the place where you're at now, what those sources would be? I'll start with the people, actually. Like, you know, there's a very diff the importance of people in my life is definitely there. So I, I would say, like, my parents is the biggest, you know, uh, the, the strength, actually, my family and my parents. The reason is because they have kind of given me, like, in a kind of independence and the peace of mind to solve whatever you are solving. They always back you up. And, you know, I think in startup founders' life, the backing from your loved ones, whether it's your girlfriend, wife, your family, is the most important. So I think these are what. 
A second, I would say like a couple of mentors, which we have come across during the, the journey of SenseCast and even my previous startup as well. And these pe- mentors are like, you know, very random people we came across in, and they started giving you advices without any expectation in terms of written. Of course, I've read a lot of articles. I, I usually follow the documentaries and some small abstract and the teasers kind of stuff, but I'll, I'll definitely want to, I'm not a very avid book reader, but I'll definitely give a couple of names. Uh, there's, there's a book called Lean In. Lean in. It's from uh, the the ex co-founder of Facebook, Sheryl, uh, you know, Sandberg. This is this is good. Uh, the the another book I really want to um, to recommend is like you know, start with why. It's a very popular book, Simon Sinek, right? I'm sure like a lot of people have have known this book as well. You know, because I'll tell you, like you know, the origin of startup is it starts from why. Like why we are not why we are having this problem. Why we are not solving this problem. Why. This is such a huge problem, a huge market, right? So start with why Simon Simon. So I think these are three things. Uh, your your loved ones, your family ones, your uh, good mentors, like definitely find some good mentors in your journey. Your investor could be your mentors, your team member could be your mentors. And the third one is like good, good materials, good stuff. Whether you read it, you watch it. I'm not saying like you have to read the huge book, spend 20 days in a month. But even if you read some abstract or, you know, watch some small clips and all, these are good stuff, yeah. Awesome. Lalit, we, we all strive for success as founders. We want to be successful. But this thing means very different things to different people. What do you think success means to you as for today? Whether it's in business and personal life, like if, if I were to wake you up in the middle of the night and say, like, what is success for you? What would be kind of the intuitive answer? You you asked me uh, um, today, right? So, you know, usually, and let me answer this today and then I'll add a couple of lines. So for me, I think that today the success means it's all about a good work-life balance. If I have an urgency, if I have to meet someone, whether you, any family member, and if I have the kind of flexibility in my schedule to do this work, to meet that person, or also take an additional meeting from the professional side, I think that's what the success looks like for me right now. Normally, success usually change with the time and with the age. If you are a young founder, started like at 26, 27, I think for you, the success is like raising funds, raising a couple of million dollars funds, maybe, you know, getting like 10 million, 1 million ARR. The moment you cross 30, 35, your success, you know, you know, change. The moment you move to 40, 45 plus, your success change because your success may be related to your family as well. So I think uh, for me right now, the success is like in a, a good balance in your work and your, uh, your personal life and a very sustainable growth as a startup founder. I do not need like in a very huge growth of my company, but I definitely want like in a sustainable growth. So there's a difference between a huge rapid growth and a sustainable growth. Rapid and huge growth might be stuck after one year or two years, but the sustainable growth is without external investment, without making a lot of effort, without making a lot of anxiety and stress, your company growing for last long, for five years, 10 years. And I think that is also a very good, successful, you know, formula for the SaaS business owners as well. Lovely, lovely. We just had one, a friend of mine on the show, his name's Cody. And we actually, in the beginning, we helped him launch his SaaS product, but now he reached profitability. And uh, this is what he shared with us, that the moment you are there, the moment you're sustainable and profitable, you have all the time in the world, meaning that you don't have 12 months to have to do the next round and you need to do this, otherwise you're burned. You're growing. Money is coming in, cash flow positive. You can do whatever you want with this SaaS. You can take it slower, you can make it faster. You're, You're in peace. 
pieces is the new success. It's what we discussed with him at this show. And I think it kind of ties into to what you were trying to explain at this stage. Mental peace is everything. And I think you already have answered this great, you know, the concluding statement that if you're growing successfully, sustainably, without external worry about external fund and all, you are good. I'm like, you know, if you ask a founder, like if you ask one question to most of the founders, like, Hey, what is the the maximum time you you spending of your day? I'm I'm assuming the majority of the answer will be like fundraising. So fundraising is a very critical, very time consuming, you know, step. It's like last long every day, 365 days in a year. The moment your company becomes sustainable, right, with or without the external money, right, the revenue coming, profit coming, maybe it's not huge. You have saved a very significant amount of your daytime because now you're not thinking about fundraising. You're not thinking about scaling and all. Your company is already like on an automated pilot mode. So these these are the, the things that people need to consider. Lalit, what would be the best way for founders to get in touch with you to learn more about your company, about what you're doing? Where would be the best place to go to? We'll be placing the links in the description to this podcast, but maybe you have some sources you would prefer to share. Yeah, I think, uh, so if you want to know about the company, definitely www.senseplus.com, you know, go and get the, you know, on the website, tell us what is the problem you have also seen on the landing page of our website. So we are always open for the feedback. If you really want me to connect directly from me, I think the LinkedIn is the best place. I, I'll share you my LinkedIn. And also my email is lalit at the com. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn emails. I usually reply within 24 hours. So you can reach out to me uh, on these platforms. Wonderful. Wonderful. Lalit, any last thoughts? Any last, any last thoughts on, on our topic today? Thanks. Thanks for having me, Vlad. I think this is a pretty interesting, you know, discussion we had. And SaaS is a very, very, uh, you know, uh, important topic in almost everyone's life. I'm talking about every founder's life, right? So I enjoyed truly. Really. Um, thanks for having me here. And I'm looking forward. Well, thank you for coming to the show. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. Bye.